0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So hello on this Monday morning here in California and uh, happy to be back. I was um, teaching a retreat at our Insight Retreat Center this last week with uh, Bruni, Bruni D'Avila, wonderful retreat. And um, and I'm happy to be back here at IMC. I'm beginning to feel here at IMC and IRC a kind of coming to life again more fully from, um, you know, uh, that's kind of gone hibernated during the pandemic. And it's quite lovely to feel the the energy coming back and the people coming back. And uh, here at IMC, maybe in my mind, a little bit is represented by, um, we're starting up offering day-long retreats here in person uh, on Saturdays. And uh, this coming Saturday, this wonderful teacher I just talked with, Bruni Bruni Davila, uh, will be teaching um, one of the first day-longs here, I think from 9 to 4.30. So if anyone lives locally and would like to come uh, and meditate for a day in community, uh, that's a wonderful opportunity. So the topic of this, of these weeks from the beginning of the year, what I'm teaching here is practicing with challenges, how to be with the challenges of life. And the challenges can be minor to being the most major challenges of life. And I've been hoping, trying to lay down the foundation that's applicable to all these different areas and for the big challenges that uh, this is also a very important foundation Uh, so that with time we can learn also how to be with the really difficult uh, things that happen to us and within us. And the topic this week has to do with um, strategies for working with challenges. And there are two general categories of strategies of working with challenges. The ones are dysfunctional and ones are functional. One um, are wholesome and some and others are unwholesome, helpful and unhelpful. And for the and I want to uh, uh, use the teachings on the five hindrances and present them as common unhelpful strategies that people use to cope with to deal with challenges that come up. But I don't, don't just want to do that, I want to say that each of those hindrances has a, an opposite quality, which is a healthy way of responding to challenges. And to have these two working together, to know the two, as you get to know, recognize how hindrances work in you, it's a that itself is a prompt to think about, to like, oh, What's the healthy form of the same thing? I'm being challenged right now by some difficulty, and my coping mechanism is a hindrance. Is there another strategy? What's the op- what would be the opposite? And how do I tap into that opposite in me so it's integral? It's got, it's not a, it's not a overlay or pretend or something on top of everything. And um, and often I I enough, I think, in Buddhism, that uh, when the emphasis is talking about letting go and letting go of the dysfunctional things that the mind does, uh, it's often uh, left there, just let go, let go, let go. And, um, and partly because as the practice gets deeper and deeper and deeper, as meditation practice is really, the practice matures. In fact, there's a, a profound letting go of everything. But to have this attitude, we're supposed to let go of everything uh, right away, that's not really appropriate. Um, it's, it would be like, um, you know, if you were gonna go swimming in a public pool, you would go into a changing room and take off your clothes and put on a bathing suit. And, um, and, uh, and so you decide, well, you know, that's, I just take off everything and jump in the pool. Why go into the changing room? Um, You know, there's a time and place for for um, you know letting go of certain things, and so to to do it all at once, you know, we end up um, undermining ourselves or diminishing the fullness and the strength and the I would like to say power of a human being that can come from the opposite of the hindrances. Our strength resides there. And if we don't have it there, then our capacity for strength, our energy, can really flow into the hindrances. And sometimes people um, put more energy into the hindrances than they do in almost anything else. So for example, the first one, um, sensual desire, is um, people put more effort and energy into their addictions than almost anything else. Someone has this really strong addiction, I mean, boy, are they motivated sometimes. Get out of their way. and. They'll do almost anything to, you know, uh, satisfy their addiction. There's a lot of energy there. And, um, but to have that, to have not that desperation, but to have really a sense of power and strength in the opposite of the hindrances, the healthy versions, is possible. So first we have to understand these. So the first hindrance is usually said to be sensual desire. The Buddha offered a separate list of the five hindrances only difference being that the first one is covetous, covetousness, wanting the things other people have, wanting something someone else has. So one is a little bit more, the strong desire for everything in the world of sensual desire, um, not just for sex or not just for alcohol or something, but comfort and sensuality. And uh, in the Buddhist analysis of human beings, this is one of the fundamental characteristics of hum, human life, is, uh, is uh, sensual desire. And, um, and uh, sometimes the acquisitiveness has, sometimes has very deep uh, roots inside of us in the desire to survive, to, to manage in this life of ours. So, you know, it's, uh, heck, these things can have deep roots in us. But the, there's a lot of uh, dysfunctionality and sensual desire and acquisitiveness. One of the things it does, it, um, it kind of uh, 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 creates a very strong uh, separation or shutting down or diminishment of our full connection to others and to the world. Uh, our connection to the world and to others is through the lens of fulfilling that desire. And some people will even uh, confuse love with a strong desire to fulfill a strong, strong desire to fulfill their sensual wishes. That person can provide me with that wonderful sensual possibility. And, uh, and so there's a strong kind of drive um, that uh, is, you know, fills our being, fills our heart, a deep, deep kind of yearning and wanting. And it can be confused with love. It can be seen as a kind of love, but it happens to be that it's probably more has to do with sensual desire than than what I think would be a heartfelt love. And um, so, a lot of what a lot of mindfulness practice has to do, with, or say differently, a founda- foundational aspect of mindfulness practice is to really become an expert really become attuned and skillful in recognizing the hindrances and working with them. So recognizing all the different flavors and colors and shapes of sensual desires that arise all the time. Not to reject sensual pleasure, which has a place in life. It's maybe an important place in life at times. But it's the, the drive, the addiction, the the way in which we get preoccupied and kind of lose ourselves in this world of sensual desire that makes it a hindrance. And so when we have strong a strong challenges in our life, some people uh, try to cope with it by getting something else, escaping into the world of sensual desire, uh, or uh, fantasizing about sensual desire, um, soothing themselves in a sensual way, as a compensation for the challenge they're in. That could be useful at times, but uh, as a hindrance it's not useful when it's so strong. On the other end of what's healthy and functional, there are profound desires inside of us. Capacity for desire, capacity for wanting something that arises out of our, our kind of heartfelt desire that opens us Desires that open and connect us here to this moment rather than narrow us and close us down. One that kind of, if anything, frees us from addiction rather than submerges us with addiction. And we often don't get this message in Buddhism because of the strong idea that many people have that you're supposed to let go of all desire. Sometimes people even think that all desire is wrong. Um, The Buddha did not say that. There's certain kinds of desire which produce suffering, but there are also desire, dharmic desires, desires that connect to the dharmic path, the desire to be free, the desire to be present. Compassion has desire in it, care has a desire in it, caring for someone. And then, so where does, so when we're challenged by life, challenged by things, to take the time to pause having the faith that inside us deep inside there is a place of healthy desire healthy wishes for for well-being for ourselves for others for uh, the welfare and goodness and of, to be present to be part of a healing process to be part of a <clears throat> transformational process towards for ourselves and the world to be a better place. And if we could take the time when we have big challenges to, and especially if we're caught in the hindrances, to see if we can shift gears, to take a deep breath, try to find this deeper place where we have these healthy desires and know that a place of healthy desires. Know that's part of it. Not Don't diminish ourselves or pretend it's not supposed to be there. but. uh, our desires are also the channel or the support for our personal strength, our our It's kind of a power of sorts, even if it's very gentle power. Uh, There's a kind of wonderful strength in the gentleness of the desire and the wanting. And it, it can be the fuel or the catalyst for agency, for engagement, to know what to do not assertively, not selfishly, not um, uh, aggressively, but like water that just flows and flows around things and eventually wears all kinds of things down. Uh, We can have this give birth and give rise to and give expression to these healthy desires once we know what they are and we trust it and we know that it has important place in our life. In Buddhism, we allow ourselves to have dharmic desires until the dharmic desires no longer have a role. And then we can let go of them because they've done their job. So so you might consider this today. Spend this day reflecting and feeling and maybe talking with friends about what you know about the deepest desires you have that do not feel dysfunctional, they do not feel like they're hindrances or diminish you or frustrate you or or add more problems to your life. When we respond to challenges with hindrances, we tend to create more problems. When we, when we respond to challenges by tapping into the uh, finding the healthy desires. Um, then we tend to be able to move towards health. And sometimes it takes, it takes time to reflect and to think, go for a walk or spend time meditating or talking to a friend, to drop down below the layers of reactivity and hindrances and things that we have until we tap into uh, some of the deepest wellsprings of desire, healthy desire within us. So what are your healthy desires? What is it that uh is a, what desires are valuable for you to stay close to especially when you have challenges that help you to help you go through a challenge uh, with um, with um, without collapsing without being discouraged without succumbing to the compensa- compensatory uh, uh kind of or escaping uh, that uh, the hindrances are so thank you and um, and uh, I trust that all of you have somewhere maybe silently maybe hidden for now have within you um, beautiful desires thank you